Welcome to the Defending Freedom Podcast. My name is Kenya Alou. I'm a mother, wife, and freedom-loving American. If you believe America is worth fighting for, you've arrived at the right place. I believe America's best years are ahead of us, and that's why this podcast was built for you. Hello, everybody. This is Kenya Alou. I'm so excited for you to be here with me today on the Defending Freedom podcast. I have a very important guest, very special guest, the number one person in my life. My husband, Alessandro Alou, is with us. And I just figured it was appropriate, since we're in the beginning stages of the podcast, to have him on um, because he's my other half. And so I want you all to get to know him. Um, He has an amazing story of where his family came from and we're going to talk about a few different things today. We're going to talk about um, his history. We're going to talk about rhinos and dinos. And we're going to talk about the new vaccine. Well, awesome, Kenya. Thank you. I'm honored to uh, be one of your first guests. Uh, this is going to be a cool and exciting thing to be doing. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. So tell me about, you know, you're a first-generation American. I explain that in my intro, my first podcast. So you're a first-generation American. Your your parents came from Sicily. So explain a little bit about, you know, what that was like, him coming over, how he came over. Um, I want to know, like, what party did he affiliate with and why? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, uh, that story, I... Um I'm a first-generation Italian-American. Both my parents are from Sicily, Italy, um, a small town next to Palermo, which is called Cinesi, and um, small, very small little town. And um, my mother came to the States when she was 14, I believe it was, and then my dad came later. Um, He was probably in his uh, early 20s or so when he came. Um, But yeah, it was... um, you know, when they came over, obviously there was a lot going on with them um, at that time. And, you know, they really didn't know a whole lot of what was going on. My dad, and my well, my mom was able to learn English a little bit faster. So she didn't have much of an accent, but my dad still has a thick Italian accent. And, um, you know, he tells me stories when he came over and they came over. I don't know if you knew this, Kenya or not much, maybe much like your grandparents. They came over in stages. So usually the oldest son went with the mother to the states first and then they got established the father would stay with some of the younger children until they were able to get you know more money to send more people over and things like that so that was the situation with my mother so my mother my oldest uncle and then um my grandmother came to the states first Um, my uncle obviously was still working in italy and then they would move people over but um so how they got affiliated in in politics or what were they when they got first came out so obviously we're talking about uh 1950s 19 late 1950s early 1950s when they came over um came through ellis island obviously and they just knew they were going to settle in st louis missouri so when they settled in st louis missouri Can, can i ask why did they know that like how did they know that I think my oldest uncle, Philip, if I remember the story correctly, um, he maybe knew somebody or they knew somebody, somebody in St. Louis. Now, obviously, St. Louis does. um, At that time, a lot of immigrants were coming over to the States and uh, they were using they were coming up back then. You could come as an illegal alien, but you had a work visa. So you were paying taxes into the system. um, And my dad had. 
he was basically what they call a green card um, up until, gosh, I think he was maybe in his late 60s when he finally became a citizen. But um, all my uncles, everyone worked with a green card and it was much easier to get green cards back then and things like that because you were paying into the system. So it, there wasn't as much of like you're just mooching off the system or anything like that. No, they came to work. They came to have a better life for themselves. And so that was the that was the reason they came to the states. It wasn't to come and mooch off everybody and just sit around and do nothing. No, like they're like they had nothing in Italy, like living in extreme poverty. And so whatever little they can do here in the states, they did. And but there was a respect for the, the United States. Absolutely. From them. Absolutely. My uncle, I remember my uncle telling me one time, my uncle Carlo telling me one time, he goes, "Yeah, me and your dad, when we came to the States, <clears throat> we were, we would we'd be out and we always keep a notepad in our pocket with a pen. And every time we ran across somebody and they say something in English, we're like, you know, they, they, they learned a couple words like, can you repeat that or how do you say that? And so they would literally write down and they learned English just through immersion, but it wasn't like they were just going to keep speaking Italian and you just had to deal with it. No, like their whole thing was, we got to learn English. Like we got to adapt. We got to we got to get into this, and we got to know how how to tap into the resources that the United States has for us to be able to get wealthy and make money. And so um, that was the situation. And so when they came to the states, obviously there were, and I I didn't realize this. I didn't realize this term until after uh, President Obama became president. But they had um, they call them community organizers, and these are people that typically met them um, usually when they come off Ellis Island, but that even was a situation. I guess when they got to St. Louis, they just met um, people. Typically, there were people that worked for the union that were already kind of set up and established, and they would take these immigrants under their wings and they would show them the ropes like, oh, here's where you can get an apartment and here's where you can get a part-time job and here's where you... Well, what I realized is they were also influencing these immigrants and, oh, by the way, here's where you can vote and here's who you could vote for because these people are looking after your best interest. These people are going to help you um, get a job. These people are going to help you, you know, do this and do that. And so it was ingrained in my parents and my my uncles and stuff like that back then that and the people just happened to be democrats that were doing that and so it was ingrained in them early on that hey you know the democrats help you the democrats will get you a job democrats will do this <laughs> and you know i mean maybe that was a situation back then and obviously but it was purely mode it was it was they were being opportunists. They were yes. doing it because they wanted the vote, not because they cared so much about these immigrants. Yeah. They just wanted the vote. They just wanted power. Yeah. No, absolutely. And after the vote happened, you know, obviously they probably went around and, you know, they maybe were there to help out for a little bit, but that was about it. So um, so I think from what I know of, of my family, my dad and everyone, they grew up what, what people call to be the John F. Kennedy Democrats, mm -hmm. you know, where... Um, the party lines were, were kind of, you know, maybe I guess you can say you're a moderate Democrat, I guess, in a sense, where you kind of leaned, you went on both sides of the aisle a little bit. You know, I think back then they got things done. Um, well, and they were they were very Catholic, so yeah. very pro-life, yet voting with the pro-choice party. Yeah. And I and I and, and that just me it just 
could be that they just didn't know or they didn't care because I know most people now these days, they will be like, well, that's that's one of the issues, but that's, you know, maybe somebody's more more um, inclined to having their taxes lowered than mm-hmm. compared to, you know, killing babies, I guess. I don't know. Well, taxes <laughs> being lowered and abortion being defined as killing babies, which it is, yeah. um, are both Republican platforms. The Democrats want to increase taxes and they also... They're, they're champions for abortion. That's their one of their main, um, you know, one of their main platforms is abortion. Yeah. So really, they only knew what they were being told. Exactly. They didn't really know what the truth was. No, no. And if you look at the the ethics and the and the morality of of you know immigrants and i don't speak just with italians but i think maybe even the hispanic culture and things like that very family oriented lebanese too which is mine yeah exactly and so i think when i look at a lot of these different groups and think you know even though they vote democrat i think they vote democrat because their parents voted democrat because their grandparents voted democrat and that was that was the way that it was ingrained in them. And, oh, well, this is what we do. We vote Democrat because they helped us, you know, right. 50 years ago or whatever it was. But you don't vote Democrat. And you, you, I don't know if you ever have, but I know that since we met, so let's see, we've been married almost 16 years. It'll be 16 years in January. And on our very first date, I was pretty hardcore. And I asked you straight up, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Because I wasn't going to continue dating you if you said the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I was definitely a Republican. Um, and uh, that transition for me, I believe it was in 2002. Let me see. When was, uh, let's see, remember uh, George Bush, the son, he was running. I think he was running for re-election, I think it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyways, um, my start in politics got started um and many people made this this obviously will date me a little bit but um i was at life christian church in st louis pastor rick shelton's church and one day we had a guest speaker and this guy his name was bill federer and he was running for congress for a highly democratic district now he was a republican running in a district that was just overrun by Democrats. Now, this area is very similar to where my parents, when they came to St. Louis, this was basically South St. Louis, um, inner city St. Louis, where back in the day, a lot of immigrants were. And so this area has always been Democrat. And I can't remember what it is now. It probably still is. But Bill Frederer was a Republican running for that seat against um, a well-known congressman. His name was Dick Gephardt. Uh, Most people might know who he is. Um, he was, um, I don't have, no, have a very big memory of him or whatnot, but I know that, you know, he, he was highly respected in, in the congressional seats and stuff like that. So anyways, I, um, Bill Federer spoke at the church and he started telling us about the history of America and he told us how. Hold on. Sorry. Before I want to interject, well, I, before he came and spoke at the church, did you identify as either Republican or Democrat, or were you just kind of like apolitical? I was. I. I didn't. I don't even know if I ever voted before that. Okay. Um. I honestly, I thought it was a scam. I thought. <laughs> I thought that it doesn't matter who you vote for. Well, I if, thought, you, if you judge, if you judge the 
that based on the 2020 election, then you might have a case. Yeah. And I didn't really understand politics back <clears throat> then, but I felt like I felt like there's people that were putting people in positions and there was nothing that a vote could do about it. So that was my whole thought about it was I just didn't care. I'm like, I'm not going to mess with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Bill Federer spoke and he started explaining about the, the country and how it was founded by God and how the... Um, so wait, you got a guy speaking at a church? He's yeah, like 20 years ago, 20 years it's political. He was a political mm-hmm. candidate speaking at church. And the rule was Sounds like my pastor. Yeah. The rule was that and I don't know what the rules here in Texas, but in Missouri, if you had any political opponent speak at a church, you had to offer the invite to the opponent as hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And it was still fine. <clears throat> so he spoke, um, but he's preached on <clears throat> the, the how God uh, was involved in the whole process of founding of America and inspired the founding fathers and things like that. It was really interesting. And he had a lot of different um, things. He had a book called Unfounded Loyalty, mm-hmm. which um, talked about how the majority of African-Americans will vote Democrat as well, um, very similar to the immigrants and things like that. Even though it doesn't reflect their values. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that happened. And I met this guy and I just was talking to a friend. I was friends with a guy named Tom at the church. And we were about the same age, and um, he was telling me, he goes, hey, I'm going to help. Um, I mean, this was a couple weeks later. I'm going to help Bill Federer with his campaign. You want to help? I was like, yeah, sure. What do you want me to do? <laughs> and he said, well, we're going to go to these meet and greets. Like, he has these things set up. We're going to go there, and, like, we're going to introduce him, and then we're going to be the guys that get to ask for donations for money. Yeah. For money. It's like, so you're the money <laughs> guy. I was like, oh, I could be a money guy. That'd be cool. Um, I had no clue what that was about, but... As I was basically following Bill Feder around for the, you know, however I don't know how many months it was, I was literally everywhere he went. I showed up, he showed up, and then sometimes Tom was there, and we kind of went back and forth. And um, I mean, I heard his, I heard his, his points, his talking points every time, mm-hmm. and I just thought, man, that's that's who I, yeah, that's who I align with. Like mm-hmm. I align with everything this guy's saying, and I thought I'm a Republican. You know, and so I think that was the first year I actually voted was for George Bush Jr. The now I knew, gosh, oh my goodness. So I remember the Reagan Revolution and stuff like that, even in grade school, all that stuff. Like I remember George seeing, W. No, uh, mean, Ronald Reagan. No, I mean, I'm back in the. Your the first person you voted for was George W. Bush. George W. Bush, okay. yeah. But I'm saying I remember back in grade school mm-hmm. political campaigns. Like I remember when Ronald Reagan was on mm-hmm. TV. I mean, we were chanting Reagan, Reagan, and stuff like that <laughs> in well, school. Yeah, as kids, I didn't even know. Oh, wow. Like the majority of us, we were all Republicans, and we didn't even know that. But you know, that was in. I mean, I think I was in second or third grade or fourth grade or something like that. You know, so I remember all those things, but I never knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. You know, you always see the president talking, you know, when they would literally stop the broadcasting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But and now in 2020 or 2021 where we're at now, starting in 2016, instead of broadcasting the president, they were silencing the president. They were silencing, which is yeah. insane. It's oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And that takes me to another point about the media. So back then when my parents watched the media and I even remember glimpses of the media and watching 2020 um, back then, the media reported facts. There was no opinions interjected. Mm-hmm. And so my parents grew up with that, knowing that 
the media is a reliable source for all the information that you could ever need. Mm -hmm. And it was true. Walter Cron uh, Cronkite and all these guys back then, Sam Donaldson when he was normal, and some of these other old school people, um, that's what they did. They just reported the news. Mm -hmm. They just reported the stories. And, and, and then obviously that morphed into something else. But with my father and my uncles and, and my family, they still have that recognition the recognition of their mind that the media is still a trustworthy source. Right. And so they still listen to the media thinking, oh, no, they're, they're trustworthy. The like, why would they lie? Mm -hmm. Because they didn't lie to them in the 60s and the 50s. But now things have changed and they just haven't seen that transformation. So interesting. Yeah. So um, most of your family, cousins, brothers, are Republicans. I would say it could probably be, uh, yeah, I'd probably say maybe 60%. Like they're voting on the right. Yeah. I mean, I do have some older cousins that obviously I could tell they're Democrats and that's fine. Um, I think honestly, I think honestly my dad and even maybe some of them, I really wouldn't call them full-fledged Democrats. I'd probably call them dinos. I don't think we even have. I mean, is dino, <laughs> even, is dino even a word? I mean, I know we have rhinos. We know what Republican, you know what? You know, fake Republicans are obviously. The problem is the dinos are like the good guys in yeah. the Democrat Party because they're like, they're just nice guys that just don't really know any better, but they're nice people. And then the, there's the rhinos who know better, but yeah. they're just like wolves in sheep's clothing. But see, Democrats and dinos, like, they don't eat each other. Like, Republicans eat each other. Like, well, that's because the, the dinos keep themselves in the dark so they don't really understand what's really going on they're just going along with the party blindly yeah, yeah and the true. rhinos are like trying to bait and switch trying to lie to get an office trying to not be rep not a true representation of the people and the they're just fake republicans just running on that ticket to get elected in whatever district they're yeah. running in yeah. and so i don't consider rhinos the good guys yeah, I can. I don't consider dino. I'm just saying, the rhinos are like has a very negative connotation to it. Yeah. Dinos is like, you guys just don't know any better. It's they, okay. They just don't know. <laughs> if they knew, they probably wouldn't be dinos. They'd be they'd be conservatives. Right. You know. I think honestly, there's just or at that, least at least moderate Republicans. Moderate Republicans. Yeah. At which least. gosh, that's a whole other. That's a whole other can of worms and another podcast for another day. Yeah. So there are rhinos, obviously, and I think there are dinos. I think my father probably runs under that <laughs> dino um, uh, classification where he's just Democrat in name only, um, thinking that the Democrat Party is the same as it was when JFK was president, which I think JFK was an amazing president. Um, but I think that they still think that that's what the party stands for and it's well, totally not and what they do is he's a hard-working man he's a business owner he's a tailor he's just he gets up he has his coffee he goes to work he comes home he watches the news like play and plays bocce ball like that's his that's life does. and so really digging in or questioning isn't really a thought no, he, he was a heart. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, he came to the States not looking for a handout. Like, he made nothing. I mean, he made a middle-class middle class family for myself. Um, I mean, we had, a, we, had a, we had a nice house in the West, you know, in West St. Louis. Or, let's see, where are we at? Chesterfield. So, West, 
west side of St. Louis, West County. Um, I mean, we had a pool in our backyard. I mean, we had, I mean, you know, I was teasing. I think we teased a couple weeks ago. I mean, he had a, back in the day, a 1981 Lincoln Town Car, brand new, <laughs> cream on cream, leather interior. Your dream. Your oh, dream my, totally my dream right <laughs> now. Yeah, I totally want one. But, no, I mean, he worked hard, and he went from nothing to something um, just off hard work, you know? And I don't think it had anything to do with his political thing. And I would say there are still, I know 100%, because I know them personally, they're friends of mine, there are still immigrants today who love and respect America, come here with the right intention and want to do it the legal way. They want to gain citizenship because they love this country. Now, I'm not talking about the caravans trying to bust through the borders. I'm not talking about those people. There's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And the Beijing fake Biden administration is encouraging them to do it the wrong way. And that's why we have a horrible situation at the border and children being, you know, just put in terrible situations where they're being trafficked. Women are being raped along the trail. Um, I mean, it's just horrible and it needs to be stopped. But, um, okay, so we're going to switch gears for a minute um, and then we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for sharing all that about your family. Um, I get along with, I mean, we have a great time when we're with your family. Um, They all, some of them know me as the, you know, crazy Republican. Some of them uh, just think I'm very passionate and some of them probably don't like me because they're more on the left side, but not your immediate, like our, our, my brothers and sisters-in-laws, we all have a great time. Um, We love each other and it's just it's, it's just fun. Um, it's unique because we could joke around with my dad. We totally joke around with your dad. And my dad could take it sometimes. Sometimes he gets, you know. Yeah, recently it's been a little, even your brother said, uh, he's not laughing about this Trump-Biden yeah. thing anymore. Um, but that's okay. Now we just don't talk politics until I get there. We just drink wine. Have a glass then. of wine. Have a glass of wine before we <laughs> um, Anyway, so real quick, I want to tell you guys what I heard today. And it just... Floored me. Like, literally, I was sitting in my car. I went into a, a store to get a gift card for somebody. And before I parked the car, and right before I got out, I heard on my talk radio, I was listening to Dan Bongino, and I heard on the, the little news segment that the new Olicron variant vaccine, they're working on it now. And I thought, I mean, my jaw dropped. Listen to me. A joke. They're already saying how, you know, the symptoms are so mild. It's no big deal. Like, that's what the people in Africa said. That's what the people, you know, we, we had our first case in the U.S. a couple days ago. And all of a sudden, we need a vaccine for it. It's a cold. It's a cold. Listen, I have family members. I know that people have, I know that people have died, okay? I'm not denying that it's can really affect people adversely, some people. But for the most part, it is a virus. I'm talking about COVID-19. I'm not talking about the Delta variant or the Omicron variant. So convenient how they skipped the, what is it, the Chi variant? Hilarious. Um, I might have said that wrong. But they are weaponizing this. They're politicizing this. And... So many people 
did not die from COVID, even though they put it as a COVID death. So we know those numbers are inflated. We know that they've been suppressing medications that can help people who get COVID because they want to push this vaccine because they want people to be scared and they want control and they want money. And now they're doing it with the Omicron variant. And I will just be floored if if people fall for this. It's it's at actually, this point. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like I mean, isn't Omicron? Isn't that like the planet the Transformers are from or something like that? I mean, it's a Greek alphabet. It's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, I swear, like these people. You know what? They are. They're trying to scare everybody, and they're trying to trying to to make it seem like like they need to be dependent upon the government. And that's what's sad about this whole thing is they're really trying to el- elude the real stories that are really happening that are really affecting our country that are, are going to put people behind bars. But, you know, they'll do what they got to do to change the narrative or change the story. We were at a, an event last night for our, um, for our health coaching business. And I met a guy, Homeland Security. He's 18 months away from retirement and they're hitting him with this mandatory vaccine thing and he's fighting it. And I will have him on the show probably at when things are, when he's able to be public, but right now he's not. And it just, it was so sad because he's worked his whole life in Homeland Security. And now they're telling him, hey, 18 months before you retire, if you don't get the vaccine, you're canned. And he filed his religious exemption. We'll see how that goes. But this is happening to people everywhere and it is, it is wrong. And if he's fired, he loses everything. He does. He doesn't get pension or any of that stuff. I think he said 25 years working for the federal Mm -hmm. government. Mm -hmm. Sad. Yeah, very sad. Well, thank you for being with me today. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) Alessandra will be one of our very frequent guests. We have fun together. Sometimes we banter. Sometimes we... You know, you might hear a little spat here and there, but we are mainly on the same page. And on that, I want to just share with you single people out there, when you go on a date like we did, I mean, we were, I was 29, he was, oh, I was 30, he was 29, something like that. When you do that, I mean, I was just at that point so not interested in wasting my time. Um, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have more kids. And... Um, I wasn't afraid to just ask him like, all right, I knew he was a Christian because we met at church and I've, I had seen him serving, but I was like, okay, a Republican or Democrat because no way could I be married. <laughs> I didn't I tell him that. I don't know how anybody could do that. That seems. Stressful. I could never be married to someone with the polar opposite values as me. And on that note, when the two weeks to slow the spread came around and COVID and everything, you and I were very much aligned in how we treated this thing. I didn't have to convince you that it wasn't scary. And you didn't have to convince me that we couldn't shut our lives down. We just knew how we were going to live. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that we were on the same page with how we were going to handle and how we were going to raise our kids through this situation. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was easy because we knew this is what we're going to do. Obviously, you know, not going to get the vaccine, not going to do any of that nonsense. And so it just makes it easier when when both uh, both husband and wife are on the same page. Yeah. So be bold. Be bold. Go find your spouse and make sure you know what you want <laughs> and make go. it known what you want. OK, we will talk to you guys later. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please leave a rating wherever you download podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a future episode of the Defending Freedom podcast.